0: But despite denials all around, there is also no question that what we have here is organizational chaos. And the key to success for the Bears in 82 is whether new coach Mike Ditka can get along with the unsolicited defensive leader assigned to him by George Hallis, Buddy Ryan. There
1: can only be one boss, and Ditka's a boss, and I'm working for him, and uh, everything will work out fine. Because I don't have any ego problems, you know that. I mean, I do my job, and... It's, uh, I think it's been a damn good one and uh, I can plan on continue to do a good job. Before history is written, Orr, the it's played. Pennelly, the nice term, Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap with mike donahue mike is on location in arizona maybe his wi-fi will be better out there i don't know <laughs> um may I send you out there permanently
1: right um, hey this works
0: we're gonna talk today uh because uh, rob manfred is uh he told us, told us today spring training not it's not, not postponed we're on track
1: is that what until, he said today? yeah
0: until tomorrow when we realize that, it's too late um we're gonna get to baseball pretty soon but we're going to do one more football one and we've decided i decided and mike has has to do it Uh, i'm going to look back at the candidates the bears interviewed or at least tried to interview for every coaching search since they hired mike ditka in 1982 and there are some doozies on this list uh so as always you can subscribe to the podcast actually i've made it even easier you can subscribe to the podcast at pointlessexercise.com you can subscribe to the newsletter at pointlessexercise.com uh, you can go to discipio if you want but it's all right there for you on the page even if you're not a subscriber which you know you should be but that's fine and subscribe cowards all right so uh, 1982 the final uh coaching search headed up by uh george hallis
1: yeah, thanks. Andy, I appreciate the you know, the, the introduction. I wanna say that it had I first of all, I'm in Arizona, of course, to do my own recon, see what I can find out here about the viability. But I, I also want to add that had I not been in Arizona and back home in the uh, you know, the low twenty temperatures of Chicago, I would definitely be wearing my Russ Grimm sweater. But it's just too damn warm here
0: yeah. down in the desert for that. Thanking the McClatchkeys or whatever he called it. I don't know what he called it, it was it wasn't right. Whatever it was. So in 1982, obviously, we know the Bears, or George Halas hired Michael Keller Ditka. Who was His a,
1: old tight end.
0: Who was the special teams coordinator for the Cowboys. The Bears interviewed two other candidates. Actually, no, I should take that back. The Bears for sure interviewed one other candidate. The, the third person <laughs> uh, insisted that George interview him and I found conflicting reports about whether George actually bothered to have a, a courtesy meeting with this candidate. Um, but can you figure out who either of those two might be?
1: Either of the two candidates. So if we're going into the uh, Professor Sherman and Peabody wayback machine to 1982, uh, it's kind of fun to just just to like see where the Bears were at because. Um, Yeah, that would turn out to be the right hire, but it was kind of the the, the organization was really at a low point dysfunctionally organization wise. The fact that you're just talking about George Hallis making the decision, uh, bear in mind that at this point, George Hallis, while this is going on, is 87 years old. he had, you know, really sort of been a non-factor since, uh, you, you know, uh, winning the championship in 63. Even that was a little bit, you know, well past his prime. And, you know, he had nominally given his son Muggs the, the keys, but it was still the George Hallis show. I think with a comment that one league member said around, maybe around 1982, was that it would be like uh, having the Wright brothers uh, run American Airlines. Um <laughs> The time had you know, he had long been passed, but there was one decision between sixty-three and eighty-two that proved to be their only salvation. That was when Muggs might have been the only positive thing he did. Went outside of this completely insular uh, organization that had really sort of gotten, you know, grown some decay, and hired Jim Finks following uh, the, probably the previous low point. You know, at that point, nineteen seventy-four, to turn things around. And Finks, you know, had some early success, and then middle success and you know started to wear out his welcome and so it was kind of a weird environment. It was really it really is a low point when you you talk about in the franchise because things had taken him with two wild card appearances, but by this time, you know, he had been in charge for seven years and um he would not be around much longer, although thankfully he would stick around uh for the eighty three draft which really to put the, that whole plan over the top. But the backstory in 82 is that even though Finks had been the general manager and uh, had, had drafted all those players like, you know, Peyton and Avellini and Dennis Lick and, you know, the uh, Dan Hampton, uh, he had hired Jack party and Neil Armstrong. They had both fizzled out. So time was running out for Jim Finks and the old man still possibly grieving the, 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 the passing of the unexpected passing of his own son, two years later. Uh, three years earlier, come you know, came down to basically run operations at 87 and cut Jim Finks off at the knees. And make a supremely, as you hinted at, Andy, a supremely sentimental type of a hire. It was also like a bit of reconciliation. Ditko, of course, was the tight end that that Hallis had uh, drafted out of Pittsburgh in 61. And, uh, you know, he went on to eventually have a Hall of Fame career. And he was part of Hallis' last championship team and, you know, burned bridges with Hallis. And so that's where the reconciliation comes in just weird and it worked out and it's the only era that we can celebrate but it is funny to, to go right back to that point and you know with that in mind that Alice had his guy and now there's another guy that he really didn't give a shit about and some that he supposedly considered and I just have to say that I have absolutely no guesses without you giving me any hints as to who the other
0: candidates were
1: I think Beasley was giving out the answer is that yeah. George
0: <clears throat> uh, it was actually uh, Lucas there's two guys uh, too many dogs.
1: Is George, named after, is George named after George Stanley Hale? Oh, you know, he's
0: named after George McCaskey. I oh. was <laughs> <laughs> I'm so impressed. Well done. I, um,
1: so, sorry yeah, you are
0: absolutely right about uh, – there's a great – when I was digging up the information on these and who, who the candidates were for all these searches, a Tribune has an article from 1982, from the day that the hiring was announced, and for some reason embedded in it is a Channel 2 report with Jeannie Morris – Jeannie Morris. Yes. Where she, um, she 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 talked to Jim Finks. She didn't get to interview Jim Finks. And Jim let her know that uh, he has instructed his agent to not negotiate an extension to his contract as general manager. Because he didn't have any input in the DITCA hiring at all. He did not wow. want Ditka, and Hallis went over his, went over his head as he it, could. It
1: Finks went public with, with yeah. Jeannie Morris with said that? He,
0: didn't want, he said he, he would not be uh, – And, of course,
1: it's a good bluff because Hallis is not going to fire him and eat that contract, not at that age. He, never,
0: he wouldn't do it when he was younger. She also interviewed the uh, the, can, the in-house candidate who the Bears had interviewed.
1: In-house in 1982? Was he on the coaching staff? Was it he Buddy was. Ryan? It was
0: Buddy Ryan. And Buddy said – Buddy was all happy. But he said, "You know, it's not going to be a problem." He said, "You know, Ditka is the—he's called him Ditka and call him Mike or Coach Ditka." He Ditka. Well, you
1: mean when Ditka got hired, this was Buddy's
0: yeah. uh, exit. Okay, Buddy told Janie, "It's not going to be a problem. Ditka's the Ditka's the coach, and I'll run the defense, and uh, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll get along fine."
1: Yeah, that's a little bit of a parting shot right off the bat to just refer to him as Ditka, Ditka. no doubt. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't call him Number Eighty Nine.
0: So the other uh, supposed candidate. Is a, a a guy who comes up quite a bit on Remember This Crap. We talk about the Bears. Uh, a former assistant coach of the Bears who uh, also had served. Uh, he said he coached the Bears from 1958 to 1965. He was on Palace's oh, staffs. He was the. Um, he was the defensive coordinator and the head of player personnel when the last Bears championship in 1963. He hadn't coached in the NFL since 1978 with the Rams. George Allen. Yeah, He got turned down by Hallis, and so he coached the next year. For it's a Blitz. Blitz. And then, oh, my God. And then the, the whole franchise got traded to Arizona, and he coached the <laughs> Wranglers in 84. And that would be the last time he would coach until he was he murdered dunked. by his own <laughs> celebrating players exactly. at did Long Beach about- State in nineteen ninety when they dumped a Gatorade yes. bucket on an eighty year old man. Because he had rallied their perennially hapless team to like a
1: seven and two mark and champions. They had their, their first division. winning
0: season in like twenty years. Um yes. George, so, that was nineteen
1: ninety? Nineteen
0: ninety yeah. The Long Beach State played football in nineteen ninety one and they haven't since. My God. Wow. Talk about uh, yes. George wow. Allen. Wow. He was coach. gonna be the savior.
1: So let us let, unpack this real quick because I didn't I didn't even hardly hit on how dysfunctional it really was. Because you've got so Buddy Ryan is the other guy that Hallis takes seriously, where um and because and, and, that's another part of the extension here is that Halas is a condition of Ditka taking the job. And that's why Buddy was being asked about it was that Buddy had to stay. Cause, so Halas liked Buddy, he just not enough to give him the job. Good reason. Because Mike Ditka might not have been a better coach than a lot of people, but he was a better head coach than Buddy Ryan as events would later bear out. But it's just funny. The only other, the only other – uh, uh, two guys are these two different prodigal sons, right? That Hallis had sort of, you know, burned bridges with. So, <laughs> you know, they both come back with their tail between their legs, and D- George Allen gets told to fuck off, and yep. Ditka uh, actually gets his redemption. So, and we're, you know, made there. Thankfully, could have gone any number of
0: horrible ways, but actually, that one went the right way. Well, there was a lot of letter writing involved in the 1982 coaching search. Didka. Didka expressed his interest to Hallis in a handwritten letter that he was wrote it? and sent to him. And then famously, the Bears defense headed up by, if you're going to have a guy write a letter for you, have Gary Fencek write the letter. Oh they boy. wrote a letter to Hallis asking that Buddy not be fired. That Buddy stay on to coach the defense, no matter who they hired as a coach. And uh, Hallis apparently was big into, he liked correspondence. I didn't. He know let that. both people have their way. He let Git could be the coach, and he kept Buddy as the defensive coordinator. And
1: even that's kind of dysfunctional, but it managed to work as much as we needed it to. So, yay! But boy, that's that's the, an example of succeeding in spite of all of the events around you. Yeah.
0: So that wow, that half way of picking a coach. Resulted... HR would have,
1: would, have, would have a say today. Yes.
0: Right, I don't know who the uh, the Rooney Rule was not around. Although George was pretty tan, I don't <laughs> think he would have counted. Um, that resulted in the longest sustained period of Bears success since Hallis's own heyday.
1: Yeah, they yeah. haven't
0: had anything close to that since. Lovey had a nice run, but it wasn't anything near nope. that.
1: Now far. it still stands. It's a it's a it's a ridiculously low bar. It's become a bit of a caricature that it is such a long standing thing but it, the fa- fact of the matter is that it is so
0: but yeah Fink stayed through the draft and then quit and went to go work for the cubs which was strange um and he jim finks is in the football hall of fame he was the, he's the architect of the purple people leaders in minnesota
1: mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they went
0: to four Super Bowls, didn't win them but he put that team together he was really the primary architect of the 85 bears
1: he gets well you should get most of the credit i'll fight anybody who argues otherwise Um,
0: he got to drink scotch with dallas green and they they were co architects of the 84 cubs and then he came back to the nfl and he took a moribund awful franchise in new orleans and he hired jim mora senior junior will come up later in this podcast um, and they made the playoffs. They had a the first winning season in Saints history, and they made the playoffs. playoffs.
1: And the first winning season in playoffs, and and so absolutely right. Three different franchise did sort of really sort of momentous things. So again, it, then it just kind of brings me back to how close Fink's was to just being a one and done with the Bears. But it kind of he gets credit for that, but barely.
0: But it, you know, in a big way, that eighty three draft is really really saved his ass. Yeah, I mean he. But well, he acquired he drafted Walter I mean, Payton. He drafted Dan Hampton. He drafted Hampton. Jim McMahon. He drafted Dan Hampton. He, he drafted Otis he there for the 83 draft. Yeah. Jim most Kobe, of, most drafted, anybody worth Keith a shit hold. on the 85 Bears, Jim Fink's was the reason they were Bears.
1: Right. So, right. And, they, and that's one of the greatest single seasons without any, you know, sort of parochialism. And, involved, and so. did
0: you know, because I didn't know this, how close Jim Fink's was to being the commissioner of the NFL? Didn't
1: we talk about it? Or No. I no yeah, I, I vaguely remember after Roselle and before yeah, he was, though,
0: right? Yeah, he was Pete Roselle's hand-picked successor and they thought that the vote was going to be a formality but there were 11 relatively new owners who didn't really have opposition to finks but they wanted to say in the process they didn't like the fact that pete was just going to pick a successor so they held it up and he couldn't get enough votes to get voted in and then somebody threw the electric paul tagliabu's name into the thing and they went through like uh, they were waiting for the white smoke over the vatican they had several ballots and. Tagliabue ended up being the guy who they had, they cut a deal where Tagliabue would be the commissioner and Fink's would be like the vice president of whatever for the NFL. And Finks said, "Fuck off," right. and retired.
1: When right into retirement, And, then, right. and
0: died of lung cancer.
1: Yeah, he Just didn't like know much people after that,
0: <laughs> right?
1: That's too bad. You know, it's fitting he's in the Hall of Fame. I'm happy about it, and I appreciate his contribution. He's pretty much one of the few good things on balance that we've had, uh, you know, to enjoy. So. There you go. So when when Ditka got fired, of course, I'm just gonna say this was the next thing was not a low point, but it was not a rock bottom low point, but it was a weird transition for cause for the first time in a decade. Uh, you know, Ditka's weren't head weren't out as welcome and it was time to start fresh. So what do you got, Andy?
0: So the weird thing about this is that the Bears got the, they didn't just get their choice. Everyone told them they were geniuses that they yeah. got the best coach on the market and they, they stole him away from the Giants because the Giants needed a head coach and they wanted Dave Wanstead and the Bears wanted Dave Wanstead and Mike, McK- little Mike McCaskey. Yes. Managed to I get saw, it done.
1: Like, I think the, the, the parallel narrative that was going on then where after Fink's, gets fired, Ditka sort of suddenly had some unexpected clout, which he used to whatever extent he could. And I think he kind of helped the engineer Jerry Venisi to replace Finks until they, you know, McCaskey, for whatever reason, because he was incompetent, but he obviously didn't have the self-awareness to recognize it, that he really did have enough ego to, to, you know, you know how George likes to hide in the shadows and Michael did too. After a while, Michael thought he was a big boy early yeah. on. And, and he, Ditka was in the way like the, the, that fucking grandpa lived long enough to saddle us with this and now they're succeeding and I can't get rid of him. Well, I'm going to cut out Vinici and it's, I don't think it's a narrative. I think it's true that McCaskey, you know, really did want to make that one move and do something with his, with his mark on it. And he couldn't cause Ditka was so perennially successful until he wasn't. Yeah. Um, 89 was a hiccup. But you can't just get rid of him right then. And of course Ditka's cause teams bounced back in 90, 91 until 92, it really did bottom out. Here was Michael McCaskey's chance, and he went by that blueprint. It actually, and by some point, a little bit of paint by numbers, but it's in some level, it looks like, yeah, he was doing, like, on the surface, some of the right things. We didn't know how flawed he was. None of us ever had a good feeling about McCaskey, even when yeah. uh, Ditka got fired. Mike Reichel wrote the article that the old man, Hallis, when he supposedly was on his deathbed, said, not Michael, um, you know, like publicly, just the dude would rip on him. He always had that sort of like weird feeling, but he stepped up and he got his guy and then he had once that, of course showed up with, with their wives and matching trench coats at soldier field. And, and like, you know, that was Michael McCaskey's moment, yes. but uh, it never got well, better I,
0: for him. Actually, I don't think <laughs> maybe the, for ro- a couple the, years, the one right. road playoff win. We we
1: celebrate whenever it comes up, but I don't, I I don't recall too much
0: about like who else was there, but other than the bears did get the top guy. Okay. I did. This was a search. I did remember who the number two candidate was. The guy they would have gotten had the Giants been able to seal the deal for Dave Wonstead he, he was also a nineteen sixty three bear because God forbid the Bears ever get away from that
1: oh I know this it came, it came down to Wonstead and uh Richie Pettibone Richie Pettibone not, not Jerry the, Pettibone who was an oh, coach right. when I was a freshman okay yeah Richie, Richie Pettibone, Pettibone
0: who, was, who was who at the time was the Redskins defensive coordinator he would eventually become the Redskins and, coach and he right.
1: For one year. And he
0: right? looked like he obviously played defensive tackle in the NFL, but he was a safety. <laughs> he, was, he was a
1: fat old white guy. He yes. actually held the Bears' record for interceptions career until uh, the aforementioned Gary Fensick, who's already been brought up for the second time, uh, broke Richie Pettibone's uh, franchise record. I don't know if Fensick still has that there or not, were but...
0: So, in addition to Pettibone, there were three other candidates who got interviewed. Let's see. Uh, two of which were internal, and another one who would go on to win. National championships in college and a Super Bowl.
1: National champ? Okay, would that be Pete Carroll?
0: Pete Carroll, who at the, the time was with the, the Bears, was the defensive coordinator for the Jets.
1: That was just an educated guess. I have no recollection. He, the whatsoever. next year,
0: he would coach the Jets.
1: Yes, uh, and then the Patriots. Uh, he, right?
0: He did one year, got fired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> went there to the was Niners. A... Was defensive coordinator for two years. Got the Pats job. Yeah. Got two years there. Got fired. Then went to USC, and now Seattle.
1: There was totally a time where Pete Carroll was just one of those nondescript interchangeable guys in yeah. the nineties until he wasn't.
0: And then two uh, holdovers from Ditka's staff.
1: Incredible. So, uh, let's see, Vince Tobin to give Vince an old cursory interview. Nope.
0: But both oh. offensive coaches. Cause you know, the bears, that offense was oh, so how was, with how Jim you... Harbaugh running right. things. The, it the, was the so pa- progressive. That's what you the, wanted.
1: The path to their door must've been right. Um, uh, so uh, let's see. Uh, Steve, let's see. Danny Abramowitz. They interview. Danny Abramowitz. No. The interview was, was Ted Plumgon, Ed Hughes. I got nothing, Andy. Ro- I know. I know. I got one good guess. Johnny Rowland.
0: Johnny Rowland. Yes. Yeah. Which old. I'm sure was because the players wanted them to interview Johnny and Mike. Th- okay, yeah, yeah. fine. Probably interviewed yeah. him for five minutes in an elevator someplace. Said I interviewed yeah. him. <laughs> the other one with, was yeah. the offensive coordinator and did could change the offensive coordinator so much to the end. It was oh, hard. Greg Landry. Greg Landry. Is
1: it the, the Silver Fox? The Silver yeah, Fox,
0: right. yes. As if, either, as if, as if when McCaskey finally gets his shot to hire a coach, he's going to hire one of the guys from Ditka's staff. There was no chance. <laughs> right. So, yeah, Wani was, Wani was the shit. He was the, it was supposed to be the next great coach. The Cowboys were going to the Super Bowl again, yep. second in a row. Um, yeah. They, they both of Wani their coordinators were super North hot, Turner. were yep. super hot candidates. Everybody, for some reason, thought Wani of the two, you know, leader of men hair lip all that fun stuff mm-hmm. and the year before i didn't know this he he was the runner-up for the steelers job the cower got yes so they one, he could have gone in the hall of fame last year to, to Instead, chuck no right right, okay I don't doubt he was much worse of a coach. The fact that Bill Cowhert. No, he might
1: actually, that might've been, that might've been, would have made life better. Pittsburgh boy. He
0: ended up, he had to settle for coaching at the university of Pittsburgh.
1: Like following another Western Pennsylvania boy Mm -hmm.
0: too, which
1: I I think that was, that was probably, that was actually probably the one negative for McCaskey. God, he's he's like, like other than that, you know, unless he wanted the, there was a part of him that wanted to pander.
0: Part of the reason that uh, Wani picked the Bears was Jimmy Johnson told him he would rather he coach the Bears than the Giants, so he wouldn't be in the division. Which, honestly, I think is a misjudgment by Jimmy. Correct. In retrospect. And he should have known Wani was a dope, and That's he should have absolutely – maybe he was trying to do reverse psychology on him. He's like, you don't want to go to the Giants. I'm just going to have to kick your ass. That's
1: two easy Ws every year. You know, And Jimmy must have had a blind spot because he threw Dave a lifeline after he eventually got canned from the Bears.
0: Or maybe it was that he liked uh, John Roper so much that he knew that eventually Jimmy or that Dave would trade him to him. Yes. That that must've been what it was. Guys, keep it down.
1: Yeah. And as, as we've discussed, the Wani era kind of, it wasn't really a low point. It was just a sort of a break from Ditka and they were back in the playoffs two years. And then, All of a sudden, things were, you know, uh, there was a a foul. There was a stench in Denmark, whatever they call it. I think something was a foul. And then uh, the bottom did, we did hit rock bottom by the end of the once. Back to back, like what, four and 12 seasons. Should have been fired after the first one. was Because by then, I feel like by then, McCaskey was like, well, I took my shot and uh, it didn't work, and I don't know what to do, and I don't – I'm not going to do – I don't know what to do. I, and then, like, when when you, – you'll remember, just to lead up to this, I remember, like, reporters talking about this afterward. At the at the press conference in which it was announced that once that services would no longer be retained, oh, Michael McCaskey said, going forward, Mark Hatley will be in charge of firing up the coach. I remember – because I only remember, like, reporters after the fact when they were, like, have to sort of perform an autopsy and all the dysfunction that was going to follow here. Like pointing out that, yeah, like Hatley was like, vi- like visibly startled when McCaskey said that as if McCaskey had just sprung that on the room. And <laughs> as we said, when Jerry, when Jerry Venisi replaced Jim Finks and he was fired, they did not replace him as a general manager. They said they went through this Byzantine structure where they had a player personnel, which began as Bill Tobin and then Rod Graves and then Hatley, and that Hatley was in charge of scouting and play, it had nothing to do with coaches and like McCaskey was just so already checked out his one his one moment didn't work out and whether he was disappointed or just whatever he just slaps this shit together so when you do break it down it's not a surprise to see all that dysfunction because it was it was a it was stenchy from from the beginning so even though normally when you fire a coach like recently, like right now we feel even though we might have reservations about ever you know you get to be optimistic it's a new start you go forward even in this instance in 1999 this is what to me makes it the all-time low point in bears history was that even after they relieved the pressure of getting her to wants that they just immediately made things worse for a bit so because it was the thing was like off the rails from from there and it just showed how dysfunctional they were and michael mccaskey
0: right so so 1999 they needed they need a coach again and they interviewed seven guys and then they tried they interviewed seven guys two guys turned them down and two guys they got permission to interview and they didn't um so they offered let's start with the guys of course let's start with the two guys who did not interview with them uh, at, just after the search commenced, Marty Schottenheimer got fired by the Chiefs. And Mark Hatley f- joked, because he had asked about it by a reporter, he's like, would, they, would you be interested in Marty? And he said, yeah, probably he should just send us his resume.
1: Yeah, and Hatley was an old Chiefs guy, I believe, yeah. so some connections there.
0: And Marty called him and said he appreciated it, but he wanted he didn't want to coach the next year. He wanted to take some time. Which
1: off. I'm fine with that, because Schottenheimer you know, busted out often in the playoffs. He was getting pretty old. That wouldn't have been much of an inspiring hire, frankly.
0: The next guy they they wanted to to interview was a Super Bowl champion. Eventual or already? He'd already won his Super Bowl. As uh, a player or coach? As a coach. And he went on to coach. he, He got hired by the Panthers too fast for the Bears to even interview him. It was George Seifert.
1: Wow, no recollection of that. I obviously know who George Seifert is one of the very few coaches who have won more than one super bowl with different quarterbacks but uh i don't remember i maybe i do but that it, it's been mostly suppressed
0: and then the two coaches that they got permission to interview but did that interview would also both win super bowls you may have heard of I, them
1: yeah i know one is Brian billick
0: one of them is Brian billick who won a super bowl with the ravens the other one uh, was bill belichick oh, which wouldn't have worked I mean, it would have. Well, Actually, he was the perfect guy, because, but the Bears wouldn't have done what they needed to do. And it would have been to have hired Bill and have him just – so you don't have a GM. Bill just handles all that shit. Yeah, but they wouldn't but do it the because time, they I had don't... let Wani – Wani was the de facto GM. That's something and, I forgot to and was, mention. And was yeah. horrible at it. Yes. And there was no way they were going to let anybody have – Actual power. Yeah,
1: and Belichick was not in a position to demand that, frankly. I think at the time, Belichick was like a kind of a guy, really, like Pete Carroll. But I will say, Billick. was top of the line. He was the hot commodity. He had he, had, he like, you know, engineered that offense with Randall and aging Randall Cunningham and, and rookie Randy Moss and Chris Carter for ridiculous yards until he, you know, arrogantly decided to keep pushing the ball at the end of the first half in the conference title game, but didn't hurt his chances to get a job. However, it speaks so much to how small market the Bears were thinking that, you know, that they wouldn't they couldn't they never even got him in for an interview. He yeah. was the hot like they were already setting their sights
0: low. Yeah, with Belichick, I also doubt he would have taken it because remember, was it, I don't know if it was 99 or 2000, my timeline's all goofed up. Um, We were talking about Al Groh? Well, no, you know, Parcells quit with the Jets and it was in Belichick's contract that if Parcells left, he succeeded him and he didn't want the job to the point where he famously wrote his resignation letter on like a scrap piece of paper and it said, I hereby resign (laughs) as H.C. Of NYJ, he could not bother to write it all out, and he just <laughs> handed it in. And he was gone.
1: Yep. Okay, another so, just another ignominy for the Jets. So Chats, the yeah. the
0: seven guys the Bears interviewed. Um,
1: oh, so we just named four. They didn't, but they were sort of out there. So they they actually yeah. went through seven two, rounds.
0: Two didn't give them the chance. Two of them they did not even bother to try to to try to sign. All right. Them. I don't know why they let's even sure. asked for permission if they weren't going to interview let's, those guys.
1: Let's remember some crap.
0: Um. So let's we'll start at the bottom and work our way up to the two guys that both ended yes. up being the coach. There's a, there's a great story here. <laughs> uh do you remember that Mark Hatley flew out to LA and interviewed former UCLA head coach Terry Donahue?
1: You think I would remember that, and I don't. Um sorry, just to be honest, I should because we have this you know have the same pronounced last name. No. It got, Terry Donahue had to be like, what, sixty by then? So Jesus. All right.
0: Yeah, he was retired. I kind of
1: do remember that now that you mention it.
0: Yeah, That was Halley's Halley really wanted him. That was going to solve all the problems. And oh, he boy. Said,
1: no. Well, we dodged a bullet there, I guess. Uh,
0: they had a Packer offensive coordinator that they interviewed. This guy got interviewed by every team at least four is
1: this times. The po- is this the poster child for why we have the Rooney rule? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Sherman, right? Sherman or Not Lewis. Sherman Lewis. Not he, Mike Sherman. Right? Yeah.
0: Bears interviewed Sherman Lewis. He, okay. He I kind of remember him. that. Uh, they also hired bills they or they interviewed bills offensive coordinator joe pendry yep who i think eventually would be a bears running back coach he was i think um hatley he apparently was the guy hatley really wanted to hire and he he uh, <laughs> his compliment to him in a, in a, when he was asked about him was he was really impressed that he could put together an offense that could make the playoffs with, quote, a quarterback nobody thinks can play, unquote, (laughs) Doug Flutie. (laughs) That was good. Uh. Uh, The other four guys on the list all ended up being head coaches in the NFL. Okay. Steelers defensive coordinator Jim Hazlitt. Interviewed
1: for mm, the job. not a bad coach it took the hits uh we said we talked about uh jim finks bringing the saints to the playoffs for the first time and of course jim Moore playoffs more uh, famously never won a playoff game
0: hazlitt was finally the one to cross that line for the saints not a bad coach for a little bit uh, crazy chiefs defensive coordinator and future uh, coach of the chiefs gunther cunningham
1: Part of the reason he, probably, he was probably so pissed that his first game was against the Bears and Cade McNown and Shane Matthews were, and really Gary Crouton were running circles around him. But, yeah, I forgot, he, I forgot he interviewed with the Bears.
0: All right. Then they interviewed Jaguars defensive coordinator Dick Juron. Dick Juron. And they were like, oof, that dude's even too boring for us. And then they interviewed the guy they loved. He'd already been a Bear. Perfect fit. Bring him home. Current defensive coordinator of the Cardinals, coaching for former Bears defensive coordinator Vince Tobin, out in the desert. Yeah. Slam dunk, Dave McGinnis,
1: uh, former Bear coach, not former Bear, but yeah, hundred percent. Right, former Bear coach, and, you know,
0: even uh, Line, uh, Rich, linebacker you, coach in the and Bears really even it. at
1: the. Even at the time, at the moment, it, it really uninspiring, right? You mm-hmm. see, like Brian Brian Billick go yeah, like a, off to the Ravens. Dave seems
0: like a super nice guy to this day. And, seems right. like and a his, super nice guy.
1: His defenses play for him, and all that you jazz. But him. I remember, I, I remember like convincing myself because I was I had enough meatballs still in me. I was like, okay, you know, he's a young guy. You know, he's got some. You know, he's got some qualities. This could work. I'm trying to convince, but it's not like he was the guy. But we're resigned to him. And then, all right, let's go. All right, let's 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 go. But so he,
0: things, he was in town. He interviewed for the job. The interview went well. They all shook hands and slapped everybody on the back. And he went back to his hotel. And he said later, he hopped in his rental car and was driving around. And he heard on the radio that he had been hired as the new coach of the Bears. There was I've only or- one small problem. Yeah. Nobody had told yeah. him, and they hadn't negotiated a deal. Yeah, nobody had offered him the job.
1: I saw, in this maybe you read this in, i read some oral history where he he calls Hatley, and of course Hatley's like, fuck. Yeah. Like, the ball guy. It wasn't even, I, Hatley's almost a sympathetic character because it just, he wasn't supposed to have been in that position anyway. It's, right. It's not his job. It's just the whole, it's just, it's just or, organizational dropping the ball. It was real low point.
0: Right, so there, there were two issues there. Three issues. Number one, it's so fucking stupid that that can actually happen issue number two is people, you think, all right, well, big deal. It got out too soon. I'm going to come in. I'll just negotiate my deal. Well, there was a feeling among Hatley and his agent that the Bears had done it on purpose because now he's kind of, it's like, hey, we. you're the coach. We can pay whatever the fuck we want because the world already knows you're the coach. And you're not. there's no way you're going to turn us down now. You're not going to do it. All right. And then the third is, do you want a coach for a franchise that could fuck this up? And the answers to all those were no. He yeah, he basically didn't ne- – he never did negotiate again with the Bears to the point where Mike called him, hat in hand, and Dave said, tough shit. And Ed McCaskey had to call and beg Dave to reconsider, and Dave wouldn't do it. And then the Cardinals were pissed because they – they didn't get the courtesy of the hey we're gonna we things went well right. we're gonna offer Dave the job and Vince Tobin was pissed because he felt like the Bears of all teams could at least pick up the phone and tell him that they really yeah. were gonna take his defensive coordinator.
1: Yeah. Oh wow! Just incredible failing from top to bottom. Just that's uh, it. Didn't get any worse than that.
0: So Dave went back to being the defensive coordinator of the Cardinals. He ended up being the head coach of the Cardinals. <laughs> later he did he did get a
1: shot but it it always it's always a little bit of a
0: stain yeah no great i remember being
1: like i don't know if my if my absolute frustration and uh agitation and just infuriation may have been an all-time high against that team and i remember like just thinking nobody should ever take this job let this franchise get humiliated day after day and actually being mad angry at this poor old dick geron To where I was like calling him the R word, even back then. Like how, like God, you're so desperate, you're going to take the job. I mean, give me this. Continue to humiliate you. You just wanted. It was a bloodletting. It was just so. It it was. I can't even hardly describe. What R word were you calling it? (laughs) Uh, uh, Remedial. Um, I think it was 1999, so I could even so think was, that in my head. I thought you were going to say he was a,
0: he was a retread, but he wouldn't be, he would have been a pre-tread. No,
1: this was a, as it turned out, this was the beginning of a very nice run for Dick Duran, And I'm happy for him because as discussed, Dick man he got to be the head coach of three different bit. teams. Right, and he was a decent guy. If they line him up by 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 like, like personal, like he's like the closest thing to a human being. He yep. seemed like the most genuine person, a decent guy, still a tough, you know, right right, you know, football coach, but maybe a little bit righteous, uh, and not even a horrible coach. And actually, as it turned out, they did lift off from this low point because at some point you can't get any lower. Uh, and 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 so I'll always remember Dick Geron fondly for. Kind of getting them out of the muck and didn't really turn it around. And then it, we had the nice little Lovey era, which, like you kind of hinted at, was sort of a, you know, a mini Ditka era that, as sad as it is, was, you know, kind of got us through a while. And then um, yeah, when so, they got rid of him, it's then. Yeah. Right.
0: So Dick Turan ends up taking the job and um, he had a hard time <laughs> hiring coaches because. He, There was a feeling around the league, which is ironic because his eventual successor with the Bears is giving off the exact same vibes currently in Houston, ah, which was, important. yeah, you're the coach, but you're not the guy they wanted. They had to settle for you. And as soon as you fail, they're going to go, they're going to start, they're going to do a new search. With Lovey in Houston right now, the feeling is they very clearly wanted to hire Josh McCown. They uh-huh. want to hire Josh McCown so bad, and they're gonna shoehorn Josh onto Lovey's staff. And in a year or two, Josh McCown's gonna be the coach. Got it. Um, Makes sense. So that the poor Dick is going around trying to attract top, you know, coaches, and they're like, um, "Yeah, I don't, I don't think so." That's how you end up with a crazy person like Greg Blash coaching your defense and giving guys bullets.
1: <laughs> you know, but Blotch was not a horrible
0: cook. No, he wasn't.
1: And they weren't bad. Yeah, and, and they gave us, uh,
0: and they ironically uh, gave us one of the most fun seasons in Bears history. Absolutely. The ridiculous have, yeah. 2001 season.
1: And they did. And, and, and they, yeah, and they did pull us up. And, you know, there are only so many jobs. So I think at some point, like, yeah, the, while that's true, that you might not want to be associated with the stink. Hey, most guys, if they get yeah. the opportunity, they're going to, they're going to roll the yeah. dice. I don't think
0: anybody around the league was like, I can't believe Jerron took that job because there's only, were there yeah. 32 back then? 30,
1: still 30. Um, oh, the Browns are coming in. So 31, so,
0: you know, the, nobody was like that, but I think the, the feeling was more of a, eh, Right, you better, glad you better, I... <laughs> you better have success early, buddy, or you're gone. And he didn't the first year, and then he did the second year.
1: No, no, he didn't the, the third first year, two not years. Until the third year. Yeah, yeah. Well, Although, and that, but, he may have had,
0: in a weird way, he may have had some job security in that the Bears were deathly afraid to have a search again.
1: Well, and that's we're just why gonna they fuck they, it up. Well, and that's why, in the wake of all this, uh, Michael got bumped. To, this is not when they hired George but they did do a reorganization so that was the real like right, that, it was, was it was a good a good consequence that came out of this as embarrassing as right, it was he was, it was the, the,
0: it, he was the president and chairman of the board and after this he was only the chairman of the board, which is or what the George's cre- position is. And sweaty okay. Teddy got to be president. That's well, how Ted- so it was a
1: big day de- it was a big day for Teddy. Yes. But then also as fans we were at least happy because they did at least realize how stupid it was to go at that point, uh what, uh fifteen years without a general manager. Okay. So, but then of course now they're in this staggered era where they have a head coach and then they bring in jerry angelo who you know wants to bring in nick saban or whatever and then of course Duran you know a lame duck that's when they go 13 and 3 so they stretch
0: it out
1: it just sort of it just it stretches out to dysfunction but you know,
0: right. such as it is. so that's a good segue so now uh dick lasts until through the 2003 season and then they it's time to do another search and jerry angelo is now your general manager. you have a real general manager yeah let's but get no a line what you people. think of jerry angelo he he assembled a super bowl team I-
1: I will defend Jerry Angelo. I am actually a, G- a bit of a Jerry Angelo fan with a, with the low with the relatively low bars, but yeah, and
0: he on. he apparently he's still well regarded enough within the Bears front office that he he got asked about to offer his opinion on coaching and general manager candidates in the last search. The one that just okay.
1: wrapped up Be- better than, you know, Ernie, of course, he...
0: So he immediately, he says, all right, I'm going to hire a coach. And he takes as big a swing as he can. He flies down to Baton Rouge and he talks to Nick Saban, who everyone assumes is just waiting to get back into the NFL. He just won a national championship at LSU. And back great... in the
1: NFL. Oh yeah. Right. He coached Belichick on the Browns. You, you remind him that. Sorry. Um, yeah. He,
0: but... he goes to, well, hadn't he, Nick had already been in and out of Miami, hadn't he? he Uh, No, no, he went from LSU to Miami. You're right. That was the insult to the injury. So Jerry was right. Jerry knew that Nick was ready to go to the NFL.
1: The stars were lined up, man.
0: And the biggest problem Jerry had was that the Bears would not let him offer enough money. Is that all it was? Yes. He he was only allowed to offer Nick $3.5 million a year. And the year before, the, the head ball coach, Steve Spurrier, had gotten $5 million to go to Washington. Washington. And Nick said, fuck off.
1: Before we get too angry, I'm only going to say that Lovey did have moderate success and that Nick Saban, of course, did come back in the NFL and not enjoy success. However, if you want to really indulge in an alternate fantasy, that can be a frustrating thing to ponder.
0: Well, here's the thing. Nick Saban was not the only other person they offered the job to. Before Lovey, you mean? Yes. So after... The first four coaches that he interviewed were all college coaches. Current college coaches. After Sabin turned down the Bears, Jerry went, in order, to Maryland, where he interviewed Ralph Friedgen. Don't
1: remember. Uh, Was it J in his name?
0: No, G. Friedgen. Oh. With G-E-N. Got it, got it, got it. He didn't okay. offer Ralph the job, but he interviewed Ralph. He then stopped off in lovely Iowa City where he interviewed Kirk Ferentz. Jesus. So he amazing. also did not offer Kirk the job. But then he went to Berkeley, California. And he interviewed the electric Jeff Tedford who oh. would have what just been? Let's see. Was he would would Aaron Rodgers have been on campus at the time? Aaron
1: Aaron Rodgers was a rookie in 2005, so 4 3 2 1. No. Wait. Yeah, 2003 4. Oh, absolutely. He was in the thick of it.
0: They offered the job to Jeff. Well, they didn't actually offer him the job. They interviewed him. If Jerry liked what he heard. He called Jeff back, said, I want you to come to Hell's Hall. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you a second interview. Basically let Jeff's agent know we're going to offer Jeff the job. And Jeff didn't want to come to the Bears. He turned down the second a, interview.
1: This is after the Saban rejection, yes. right? That was his first guy. Okay. The ironic right,
0: thing on. is, if you want to think about it, if, if Tedford takes the job, the Bears probably end up with Aaron Rodgers.
1: <laughs> no, they, because they they just had drafted Rex Grossman. This
0: yeah, I don't one. think I don't think Jeff would have let Rex Grossman stand in the way. I think. uh I think they? That's didn't of, they draft Rex? They already had They drafted 2003, Rex when and, and, Durant and Durant was there? last right. season. Yeah, and yeah. He, he was not. A I have a trainer. feeling they could have yeah. figured out a way to. Um, yes.
1: Well. I, so I feel I do I do want to indulge in the alternate fantasy. But also, moment, Jeff Tefford
0: never amounted to shit. Anyway. Well, that's why
1: I said that. Well, that could have been like the the move that would have benefited both of them. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like maybe true. that was, that was Jeff Tefford's path, and he turned them down. So good, fuck you, Jeff Tefford. Yep. I'm glad you're like barely an athlete. Oh, he knew
0: thing. he knew uh, the great Kyle Bowler was going to be rolling onto campus any oh, day Jesus now. Oh Jesus Christ! He, did, yeah. he coached Rogers and then him and woo. Um. Okay, so after the Tedford thing, Jerry's like, all right, fuck it. I am done talking to college coaches. Screw that. We're going to get us a real live NFL coach. And uh, he apparently gave a courtesy interview (laughs) to the great Greg Blosh, who was on his way to interview for the Steelers job and basically demanded he get interviewed for the Bears job first. And he did. Yeah, but yeah, probably. And Jerry did, even though he had no intention of hiring like Greg Blash. Okay. Uh, Mike Nolan, who was the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, he, his interview got rescheduled twice because Jerry was flying around interviewing college coaches. And Nolan, after the second phone call, said, "You know what? Don't. That's okay." Well, yeah, I you take the hint after yep. two. You're not He's getting like, nah, hired. Don't worry about it. Yeah, so no. then we get down to the two guys who actually we knew, you know, the the finalists. And they called they called these two the finalists and everybody laughed because he already offered the job to two guys. The other the next two guys are not the finalists.
1: <laughs> He's the third and fourth finalists.
0: And they were Steelers offensive line coach Russ Grimm.
1: He got that far to being a finalist because people I only thought he swing. was
0: going to get the job. Oh my God! He gave he to the point where after his interview, he did the press conference, the famous love, press conference where he wore the sweater, and yep. he called the McCaskies the McClatchies or whatever he called he,
1: them. He was right out of uh, he was right out of central casting uh, for like the stereotypical uh, George Wentz SNL Superfans
0: bear beer sketch. And That's I was, was reading the story about it, and he Lovey famously did it when during his hiring press conference, but in this one, Grim talked about how the first thing they were to do they were start beating the Packers. So stupid. Because we're gonna start beating the Packers, we start winning Central Division championships.
1: That's yeah. what we're gonna do. Wow, the more things change, right? It was that Eberflus one takeaway from his thing. We're gonna take the North and not give it back.
0: Yeah. Um, so then, I, no, that I don't was that like, was Poland to that.
1: I'm sorry, it was Pauls. You're right. I I don't recall. I I knew that Grimm was in there. I already made the reference to the Russ Grim sweater because he showed up wearing this woolly, sort of like he just came from a Christmas party. Um, um, and, but I I, I, did, I It's just funny, Andy, as we go through this to think that the two most successful coaches in our uh, lifetime are really. It was lucky we even got him. Like they almost could have gotten somebody so much worse.
0: Right. The the lucky thing for the Bears turned out to be that. Lovey was unexpectedly available because his Rams defense got obliterated in a playoff loss to the I think it was the Panthers, right?
1: In 0-3, two, oh three, you're right. That was the double overtime game. Right. So it couldn't have been obliterated unless the offense kept up as you probably. Well know. no, they gave you're
0: up right. a, his his defense gave up a shitload it's of a yards.
1: High scoring game, yeah. And
0: okay. Suddenly, Lovey, you can hire Lovey now. You don't have to wait till the Super Bowl because they're out of the playoffs. So,
1: Lovey was a defensive coordinator in '99 for Tampa, or maybe D back's coach, that somehow held the Rams for the first time all year to a minimal mm-hmm. amount of points until Ricky Pearl, who always shows up, caught the winning touchdown. But then he switched to the Rams and was their DC when they almost won their second Super Bowl till Tom Brady won his first. So. Um, I forgot about that 3 game. And that, they, well, yeah, could have could have been a mark against them. But. So,
0: Lovey came in and got to interview a second time in person. And I'm sure he talked about how we're going to beat Green Bay. Yeah. And the Bears were smitten and yeah. had their coach.
1: Yeah, it hit, It checked a lot of boxes. It, and of course, we we're just we were we were feeling a little low because you know Nick Saban was the, the guy, and it's like oh fuck, it's like our fifth choice. And then of course, careful what you wished for, right? We want you know Wanstat was the top guy, and he busted. Ditka was was hired at the at the at the end result of this incredibly dis you know dysfunctional process engineered by a nonagenarian, and you know Lovey was the seventh choice, and they were the two best coaches. So it's funny. But at the time, it was not so funny because we were very unsure. But, it, you know, at least in that case, it worked out.
0: So in Lovey's, in, in Lovey's case, the the writing was on the wall after the 2011 season, right? The Bears fired Jerry Angelo. And they don't fire Lovey. And Lovey even gets to do, gets to interview. He gets to, he's on the search committee for the general manager. Uh-huh. And they hire Phil Emery, and Phil tells, let's see, who would have been at the time? That we were up to George, and now we're to George. Yeah, George, George, I
1: think, is in charge now, right? And at he some tells point them he now.
0: wants to fire Lovey. And they say, you can't.
1: Yeah, once again, Which staggering meant the press. Everybody
0: knew that it just meant that Lovey's got one more year, and no matter what happens, mm-hmm. he's out. And the Bears go 10 that- and 6. But they were 7-1 at one point, but they went 10-6, barely missed the playoffs, and that gave Phil the opening he needed, and he fired Lovey. Yeah. And then he embarked on, we might want to take a, a break. <laughs> <Because if laughs> we are about the 2013 Let's search. Let's
1: all go to the lobby. There were
0: 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 oh, right. candidates. It took thirteen candidates to come up with Mark Trestman phil
1: emery just proving to hr that i'm working yes uh
0: wow. there were uh let's start with the two that, yeah, that, that didn't interview so, um
1: I, I love how you've categorized them. Pre- i genuinely appreciate that because there are these different levels here. oh the
0: best thing about this is there were let's see they had a type here they everybody was there was one exception everybody was either an office coordinator or a special teams coordinator they interviewed four special teams coordinators. Okay. The one defensive player was, it was rumored that the Bears were interested. And my assumption is that Dan Pompey was the one who floated the rumor. Linebacker coach of the Minnesota Vikings, Samurai Mike Singletary. Oh my God. The Bears did not interview Mike Singletary.
1: Of course, Pompey just recently reissued that in spite of the fact that he had to be self-aware enough to know how ridiculous that was. Maybe not.
0: The other candidate who was rumored, but never interviewed, Was the immortal Mike Pryfer, special teams coordinator of the Vikings? I did not interview. Good. So, the guys they did interview, offensive coordinator from the Texans, Rick Dennison. The only reason I remembered who Rick Dennison was was when I was writing the article about Brian Dable. Um, Sean McDermott in Buffalo showed what you're really supposed to do when a quarterback falls in your lap. Rick Dennison was his offensive coordinator his first season in Buffalo. The next year, they drafted Josh Allen, and after mm-hmm. the draft, they fired Rick Dennison, and they hired Brian Dable and told Rick, sorry, it's not you did a bad job, but everything's about this quarterback now, and we need to uh-huh. find somebody who's going to develop this quarterback, which is exactly what the Bears should have done last year when Justin Fields fell in their lap, and they said, all right, yeah. you fuck off. Right, but they didn't do it. Uh, another guy was perpetual candidate. He's the he he's been an interim a couple of times. Otherwise, he'd be the White Sherm Lewis, Seahawks <laughs> offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel. Daryl
1: Bevel, right? That's right. <laughs> because he coached against the Bears. I only remember that because he coached against the Bears last year, and we remembered some crap about right. Like he was thrust into the head coaching job last year.
0: He was the interim against... in uh, Detroit. Thank I you. believe he may have also been an interim somewhere else. Maybe Jacksonville. They he like to fire coaches right. in season.
1: But never never got his own oh, real this year.
0: He took over for Urban. Oh Jesus!
1: Wow, he's going to pass Dick Duran in the interim coach. Well, actually, no, Dick Durand.
0: That's not fair. Dick Durand, I think has only been interim coach once. Yeah, only once. Also in Detroit, because everybody, every coach has been an interim coach in Detroit. once.
1: Can we just stop for a minute? I know it's just it's not even funny anymore. I was talking about it with my brother this week. It's like they're even worse than the Cubs from 08. To, it's like it's not even funny anymore. It's like they're going to win it now because if Joey or Joey I, Matthew Stafford already has twice as many playoff wins as a non-line than the line have in the last 70 years. It's just it, you, you can't keep piling on. I don't even care anymore. It's like a, it's funny but it's not even funny anymore. So, anyway.
0: Um, okay, the next oh, the next this is great. Oh, only the Bears. They interviewed <laughs> in order. They interviewed a one of their former special teams coordinators, Keith Armstrong. Dave Tobe?
1: Oh, not Dave Tobe, because well, he's my he, current. Yeah. Yeah, right.
0: former Former special teams coordinator Keith Armstrong, who was the special teams coordinator of the Falcons. Then -hmm. they interviewed future Bears special teams coordinator Joe D. Camillus. I
1: don't remember him. All right.
0: If you remember Joe, Joe was not, his special teams with the Bears were not good, but he's probably most famous for do you remember when the practice bubble collapsed in Dallas and it landed on Joe and almost paralyzed him? I do. (laughs) So there's something he remembered for. And then they interviewed at the time yeah. current Bears <laughs> special teams coordinator Dave Tope, and Dave told Mark Hatley, or not Mark Hatley Jerry Angelo, right? We're at Jerry Angelo, yeah. He told yeah, Jerry and, Angelo
1: and, and we're talking uh, two thousand, we're talking uh, two thousand thirteen, right, or tw- twelve thirteen, right? Yeah, okay.
0: That not Jerry Angelo, we're no at, Angela, Phil, Emery. Uh, Phil Emery, Phil, Phil Emery, Emerson. that's right. This makes more sense because Phil had just one of Phil's first things he did was he gave Jay a contract extension. Yes, after after the 2011 yeah, season. The Bears had to eat a shitload of that money uh, when Jay uh, left. I was in
1: favor of the deal at the time, but it absolutely was not the right Dave deal.
0: Told, Dave told – he probably didn't have the leverage to do this, but he did it anyway. He told Phil, I'll coach the team, but you got to trade Jay. Wow. And they said, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh,
1: yeah, another guy with integrity like Dave McGinnis could well, have taken the Well, and he had a job. pretty
0: good read, I think, of the team, which was most of the team were, doesn't like Actually, the they were reaching
1: the end of a real talent thing because I think it's clear that by the end of the Trustman era, there was nothing. Well, yeah, so. the
0: defense was falling apart.
1: They were getting old.
0: Their offensive line was falling apart. Yeah. What Phil did was he brought in – he gave Jay actual weapons, Brandon Marshall, Martellus Bennett.
1: Drafted, but, uh, they did,
0: but they didn't fix any of the other stuff, and so Jay just kept getting hit in the head a lot. <laughs> they gained a lot of yards the first year, and by the second year, Tresman's only other year, it was over. That's true. Okay, so they got through all the special teams coaches, and then they <laughs> interviewed –
1: no more. So far, we, we've we've na- we haven't had Steve Kazer's name invoked in tonight's no. probably. Okay. I, I I I brought up Danny O'Bramovich uh, incorrectly, and then Keith Armstrong and Dave. Dump, so then anyway.
0: they went on a slew of offensive coordinators. They interviewed Tom Clements from the Packers, former Notre former
1: Dame. No, Notre yeah, he went to CFL. Yeah.
0: Uh, also, a guy that uh, Aaron Rodgers. Was recommending to anyone that would hear it would be a good head coach. He never I had to be a head it.
1: coach. Yeah, shows you. I Rodgers re- did his research and thought that he, Tom Clemens would be that's, a great coach, right. and obviously was proven wrong because nobody knows who the fuck Tom Clemens is right now.
0: Then they interviewed Saints offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael. Pete Carmichael suffered from the thing that a lot of the, the like the Andy Reid offensive coordinators do. Sean Payton's the offensive coordinator of the Saints was at the time. Now he's gone. And so everybody's like, oh, "That's great," but you don't really coordinate that offense.
1: You're not actually calling. Yeah, yeah, interesting.
0: So then they interviewed Buccaneers offensive coordinator Mike Sullivan. No idea who that was. <laughs> Just the guy
1: you go drinking with. It sounds like.
0: Then they interviewed Broncos offensive coordinator Mike McCoy. I remember would eventually be of. the head coach in San Diego. Okay. And it wouldn't really work out.
1: Nope. Sorry, so we're not, so far, unlike the Belichick, Pete Carroll references of the past or Brian, Brian yeah, this Bill is a big
0: list of bad.
1: Nothing. It, it's like it's like. Bill Murray's Enl- list was it, terrible. It had busy, one good
0: coach on it. We're about to get
1: to do, it. He's doing busy work because he's convinced HR is watching him, and he has to. Yeah. Then they interview
0: the reigning NFL coach of the year.
1: Wait, I'm sorry.
0: The reigning NFL, the coach reigning of the year coach. NFL coach of the year.
1: And so in 2012, that's the year that Jim Harbaugh took the Niners to the Super Bowl. Wouldn't Jim Harbaugh. This is
0: the year that a future Bears defensive coordinator got leukemia. And his offensive coordinator took over Uh and won coach of the year. This Bruce Arians.
1: Yeah, this is the tragic uh, departure. And Bruce
0: went in and told Phil, I want to coach Jay Culler. I'm going to make, we're going to, yeah. we're going to turn this off. It's around. And it's because who, Jay can who, sling it. And I want to coach you. It.
1: already it like
0: and, sunk his future and that, No, that should have been music to Phil's ears. That's Phil what had, I'm saying. Phil had chained himself to I know. That's, Jay that's what I'm saying. Right. And that should that's, have been all he needed to hear. He should have should thrown have been, him a contract after he said the, that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Bruce leaves the interview convinced that he has the job. He's 100% sure. But then the final guy who gets interviewed, the reigning Grey Cup champion, Montreal Alouettes head coach, Mark Trussman, mm. who had been an offensive coordinator, quarterback famous quarterback coach of the 49ers with Steve Young. He'd been an offensive coordinator with the, Ra- with the Raiders and the 49ers. <laughs> and, and anybody who'd ever played for him was like, that is one weird dude. <laughs> and we got and our case. And Phil... Also, a very strange person. Yeah. The two of them get in a room together, and they fall madly in love with each other. A couple of moonies. And yeah. George likes Mark because George doesn't I know like people. Yeah, George is a weirdo, and he's afraid of football guys. He's a football, he's supposedly the chairman of a team, but he's, they scare him. And here was this egghead with a horrible comb over. Who I'm sure charmed the shit out of George, and Bruce didn't stand a chance.
1: You nailed it, and it's so tragic in retrospect. I will say it wasn't as hard to convince me into the Trustman hire uh, as it was for, um, um, well, certainly the, you know the, the Juron hire. But uh, <laughs> he did. You alluded to he uh, his a relationship with Steve Young. It, it, it was a weird thing in 2013 when Trestman had gotten to that point because he was a guy that, like 12 years earlier, he was one of these perennial annual top head coaching candidates. He was the next big thing. He was the, you know, when you talk about the offensive coordinators that get elevated and move on and, and fail or succeed. And somehow it's like he didn't get a job and he disappeared but he was a guy that we remember even if you were a casual fair you had to be somewhat of a geek but you'd hear his name and he worked with these quarterbacks and he was on these winning sidelines and and then he all of a sudden like you would have forgotten about him had he not all of a sudden get recirculated in this coaching search oh it turns out he's been in Canada and he's had five five great cups or three great cups and so I I, and I think even honestly in retrospect it's not revisionist to say that I think it didn't really – it didn't feel laughable at the time. Laughable in retrospect, 100%. Um, at the time, though, it was like, okay, well, maybe he wasn't ready 10 years ago. It, maybe it was a blessing that he didn't get hired as the next young hot thing. Maybe he, maybe he had maturity issues and had to go to Canada and figure it out and be a leader or whatever. I remember convincing myself, almost like with McCaskey and Wonstadt, that they, they, they beat the field – they got the guy they wanted. Um, and I think even on sports radio and the local media and the, the general consensus, like, wasn't like, like the Dick Girard, like, Oh, well, we got this guy. It was like, okay. That was the feeling at the time, but it did not take any. And, and Tressman had moderate success early on in his first year. The offense was kind of amazing, whether it was, you know, Cutler or McCown, but then once like with one step, once it went sideways, it never came back, and then all of his flaws were exposed. And then it's a lot easier to look back and go, and you, see, you know, after you see Bruce Arians take off, and it's obvious in retrospect yeah. what a tragic flail was. But it wasn't. It, it wasn't like a total, like weird, eccentric move at the time. It it did make a certain level of sense, but th- that doesn't mean shit. We're not the guys that are tasked with making these decisions. So
0: he had such a weird, like, resume. He. um he had like a degree in finance. He didn't start off as a coach. He was a volunteer assistant at the University of Miami. Then he got to be the quarterback coach and it was that was under Schnellenberger. He was Bernie Kosar's quarterback coach. So that Unless got him okay. That got him noticed in the NFL he, and he started off as a running back coach with the Vikings. And that's not that unusual. You basically take the first job you can get in the NFL and yeah, then give work the ball to
1: Darren, Darren Nelson, yeah.
0: Then he was the uh he was the quarterback coach of the Bucks, and I believe that was Steve Young's rookie, rookie year. Oh, yeah, 100%. Which is where that's he, where is where he made the connection with Steve. Okay, so, okay. Then he was the officer coordinator for the Browns for two years. Back to Kozar. Then the quarterback coach of the Vikings. Then for two years, officer coordinator and quarterback coach of 95 96 under Seifert with Steve Young in San Francisco. Okay, that's that a sweet spot. 97, he's the quarterback coach in Detroit. 98 to 2000, officer coordinator for the Cardinals. That oh, Dave McGinnis.
1: <laughs> it, was. Oh, uh, no, it was. Oh no, it's Vince Tobin. It's Vince Tobin ninety eight? Okay.
0: Yep, yep. Then three okay. years as office coordinator of the Raiders.
1: He bought well, so he did get a productive season out of Jake Plummer, which is our friend Kyle Morris would say would otherwise be physically
0: impossible. So that's a feather in his cap. Then he got to be uh, so three years with the Raiders. Then uh, the. A year with oh, the so dolphins the, as a right,
1: so a, so three years the Raiders not his OC or was it because that would have been included a Super Bowl team just FYI uh
0: let's he was the OC but I believe he uh,
1: let's see maybe did he have maybe a a, pri- a private conversation with Barrett Robbins that just fucking freaked Barrett Robbins out and yeah. that's why they so that was the lost Bill the Callahan Raiders yeah Well, because you said 98, 99, uh, right before that. And I thought you said three years. The the Raiders, Raiders,
0: it was 01 to 03.
1: Yeah, the OC. All right. So he's on the side. So he's had success. He's success adjacent as an OC and quarterbacks coach at this point.
0: Yeah, he was the the Raiders offensive coordinator when Rich Gannon was MVP.
1: So a young Steve Young, an old
0: Rich Gannon, you know, all right. Then he uh, was the assistant head coach of the Dolphins for a year, and uh, then he couldn't and, find and a he's... job in the NFL. And he went to NC State and was the offensive coordinator. And this is impressive; he was there when they won the Meineke Car Care Bowl. So there you
1: go. Hey, well, that's probably what turned it around for him. It's just weird. It's so obvious. He was a guy that if other te- fan bases are doing uh, these types of stupid episodes that we're doing, his name's coming up a lot. He must have been a candidate yeah. for like twelve teams in that ten-year period, yeah. and he never got a job. It just it's it's kind of a weird thing because he really was legitimately considered a
0: top well, when the uh, guy. when the Bears hired him in twenty thirteen. He hadn't been he hadn't been an offensive coordinator in the NFL in, in a decade, and he hadn't been in the NFL in nine years.
1: That's what really makes it sort he of borderline. He had two years at NC but...
0: State and then um, five seasons as the head coach of the Montreal Alouettes, where he did win two Grey Cups. Just two. He, he then won one after the Bears with the Toronto Argonauts. Yeah, that, well, that's, that's all right. Uh, so he gets to the Bears, and after two years, he gets canned, and he goes to become the officer coordinator of the Ravens, Steve and he gets hall. fired during his second season. Okay. And then never he went heard. off to Toronto, and then his last job, he was the head coach, general manager of the XFL's – no, I think believe it was the XFL. Yeah, the XFL's Tampa Bay Vipers, because nobody hey. says Vipers Dude. like wow. Mark Tressman.
1: <laughs> and that and, um, yeah, and uh, build – grow the football.
0: This, yes, he st- – and, right, and he started – build a man, right? And he always starts – the first practice every year, he holds up a football and says, this – is a football
1: <laughs> you know it, it's cool when our coaches pretend to be pseudo intellectuals yes. and win like phil jackson uh, but when they don't
0: i ain't got time for it so after two years as the head coach Emery's fired trustman's fired
1: yeah which is incredible Emery was for two years his one his one coaching hire was so fucking awful that he was denied and an so
0: here are the bears without a general manager they don't have anybody to hire a head coach so they go out and they get the big the brightest mind they can find. Ernie Corsi Ernie <laughs> irons his toupee, slaps it on his head, shows up and he's gonna run the coaching search. And
1: Yeah, on, on his drive from Sycamore, apparently. George McKeskey lives in Sycamore. Did you know this? On his drive from Sycamore he does? to Lake Forest. i i I was on the twitter conference somebody figured out that he lives in sycamore that somewhere between sycamore and lake forest that he passed some sort of assisted living facility and found ernie Corsi, and then that inspired him to go about his day
0: so ernie comes in and he's gonna help uh pick the general manager and the coach and so just like they did you know this year they do they have to do they start with two searches simultaneously (laughs)
1: <laughs> right I, right and in, on. in
0: phase one while they're interviewing general manager candidates they would eventually hire Ryan Pace to be their general manager they uh, they they reached out to Ravens to the Ravens and asked for permission to interview their offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak
1: to be their GM to be the head coach head coach right after the head Pace coach is installed all right
0: and he said he had no plans to be a head coach. So he, didn't, he turned it down, which becomes interesting in a minute. Uh, they talked to Doug Marone, who had been the head coach of the Bills and had opted out of his contract in a huff and was on the street needing a job. He would end up in Jacksonville. Right. And they interviewed the Broncos offensive coordinator, Adam Gase, and Adam, uh, uh, who would eventually end up being the Bears' offensive coordinator,
1: eventually. So he right. wasn't as of uh, we were talking about uh, 2014, right? So okay. they also
0: interviewed Lions' and defensive he... coordinator Terrell Austin. So that was the first no. phase of interviews. Then, um, Mike Shanahan got fired by the Redskins. And Shanahan started telling people that he was interested in the Bears' job because he wanted another shot at coaching Jay. Because he had been he had been the coach when Jay got drafted by Denver, and then Josh McDaniels came in, and the That's Broncos right. immediately traded Jay. I vaguely and remember that. wanted the job, and the interesting thing is, if they had hired Shaney, they would have gotten Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator. Oh, the Bears were not interested. Why are you doing this to me? They did not even. could Mike it, Shanahan.
1: It could, have been, it could have been the third example of the Bears succeeding in spite of themselves if they just accidentally hired Mike Shanahan.
0: So then the Bears hire Ryan Pace as the general manager. And they tell him, hey, congratulations. Uh, by the way, uh, Todd Bowles is here. Why don't you go interview him? They did the same thing to Ryan Poles. When they said, oh, by right. the way, Jim Caldwell's been standing in the right. lobby for an hour and a right. half. Would you please go yeah. down and interview him? Yeah. So, He's holding
1: a bus transfer that expires in 35 minutes. If you wouldn't mind, can you so, get down there?
0: Yeah. Bowles was the, was the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals and was a hot commodity as a head coaching candidate.
1: Oh, yeah. Right. So they interviewed him. So and again, then, this is we're, you're still we're, we're 2015, right? So, 2015. Yeah.
0: Yes. Bowles would get interviewed again a couple of weeks uh-huh. ago. So with the next guy, uh, Pace interviewed Dan Quinn, who was the defensive coordinator of the Seahawks. And by all accounts, that was the guy he wanted to hire. He was going to hire Dan Quinn. That's right. And then the Broncos fired John Fox, who had taken them to the Super Bowl two years before. They had lost in spectacular fashion in the playoffs, I think on the Jacoby um, Jones ridiculous catch down the sidelines by the Ravens. I think that was... I believe that was the loss. Yeah, over fired oh, the John Harbaugh Fox. Bowl. Yes.
1: Oh wait, no, no, right after that, right. Well, Fox gets blown out in the Super Bowl, and then yeah, you're right. Then you the know, next year,
0: they don't. They get game. knocked out of the playoffs yeah, early. Yeah. John Elway says, "Fuck this," so he fires John yep. Fox unexpectedly. Yep. Hires yep. Gary Kubiak, the guy who, who turns the Bears. I said, "I don't want to Not be a head interested. coach." He went to be head coach. He was John Elway's former roommate with the Broncos.
1: Backup, backup quarterback. Yeah,
0: and uh, Ernie Acorsi and John Fox, former New York Giants.
1: There's a connection pals. Yeah,
0: Ernie tells George, "Oh, you got to hire John Fox. You got this. I general walk. manager. You need a steady right. hand at the wheel. You can't go hire Dan Quinn and have two young guys trying to figure it out. You got to hire Foxy."
1: For for the record, I want one thing to be clear here. I agree that hiring john fox was not necessarily ryan pace's decision and i'm going to be nuanced here i feel that he actually was free to make his own decision not even a wink wink nudge nudge but like you could do it even though he was being encouraged to hire fox and he hired fox and passed on quinn because he felt well if this one doesn't work out, then I buy myself that time as opposed to just fucking going for it and being like, Hey, I've got all the enthusiasm of a new job I'm bringing in my people and rolling the dice with your first hire. So no, it wasn't that he was, So, I, I wanted to draw a distinction because you and Pusateri kind of broke it down and, and I'm not trying to correct you. I'm just saying like, I, I do think effectively he was kind of forced to fire Fox, but I do also think he had the to freedom to make his own decision and he did it with his own, with, by his own volition because in his own calculation that, that like it was understood that it wasn't his hire. So well, if and when it doesn't work out, yeah, now they, he can start the clock. And by doing so, he passed on
0: Quinn. It's funny because a lot of the reasons that the Bears hired Fox ended up working out the way they Such suspected as? them. The problem was they didn't anticipate the facts that Fox basically had stopped giving a shit.
1: Right, right. They weren't really Because
0: they said, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to bring in a guy who's been to two Super Bowls. He's an established coach. This team is terrible, and it was. The team was awful. In fact, and then they said, and he's going to bring good coaches, and he did. He brought Vic Fangio to be his defensive coordinator. Vic. That's right. Because Harbaugh had run off and left poor Vic um, alone <laughs> with the Niners. Right. <laughs> and... He hired Adam Gase to be brought Adam, and Adam was a respected offensive coordinator who actually did a nice job with Jay the first year. Did
1: did, in fact, produce, I believe, Jay Cutler's finest offensive season as a bear, if I'm not mistaken. So that
0: makes a lot of sense for a rookie GM. This head coach is going to give him stability. He's going to bring in good coaches. And, by the way, he's older. You're going to be here for ten years at least. You're going to get like to you hire can, your coach next time. You can
1: totally like map out this eight-year uh, succession plan if the, you're, you know. And so a lot
0: of that worked. The problem was Fox didn't seem to give a shit anymore, which is a problem. Yeah. He was just and and check. um, and then Fangio famously has said, and it always cracks me up. He said, he goes, when I got to the Bears in 2015, he goes, the talent level wasn't that of an expansion team. It, well, we didn't have that many good players, right? <laughs> and I think that I think, may have been part of, why, of what made Fox kind of check out was the whole, "Holy shit, this team is bad."
1: Oh, way to do your due diligence, though, John. You could, you could have well, figured that got, out before you. No, he got, a, check.
0: He, he got a he got a four year contract, and he still well, spent money. Right. He didn't.
1: Well, I know, but
0: so and we we, we Pusar and I talked a lot, a, a lot the last few weeks about. The how Ryan Pace fucked up, and one of the ways he fucked up was when he decided in twenty seventeen to draft Mitch. That he had twenty seventeen. He had to draft Mitch.
1: Twenty seventeen. Yep.
0: I got drafted. This is the guy. Got to get Mitch. Yep. When you realize you can't tell your head coach who you want to pick,
1: that's a red flag. You need to fire
0: your head coach, and then you could have then brought in another head coach who may have said, "You know what." Uh, Mitch is not that good, and like what? Can we draft what like one what, of the other quarterbacks? Because like it sounds it, like Pace was afraid to tell Fox they were going right. to draft a quarterback.
1: He had no balls. Well, like what security are you risking? You know, like by going down that path, you've already like sort of reserved that card in your pocket by hiring Fox, knowing that you're going to get another hire. So now is the right. fucking time to right. strike. Didn't work out, Boom. and it
0: didn't work out a year earlier than you thought. You just go ahead and do it. I mean, he didn't do it, and that's part of why he's on the street. He sucks,
1: right? Now. right? And he doesn't deserve to be. It's not like he's been wrong. It's like you know he might be a decent guy, he's a decent uh, professional in some respects. I mean, I don't know player personnel. I don't want to even go down that path. But the fact is, uh, he didn't. So,
0: so yeah, Todd Bowles on. goes and takes job with the Jets. Didn't really work out.
1: Head coach, uh, right? Yeah.
0: Then he went to be the defensive coordinator with the Bucks, and he won a Super Bowl. Dan Quinn became the head coach of the Falcons, went to the Super Bowl. Kind of famously. the the biggest lead in Super Bowl history. Should
1: have won, but kind of blew it, yeah.
0: Gary Kubiak won the Super Bowl with Denver. Wow.
1: So, of all of these, these are, all right. The Bears didn't
0: have the talent where it would have mattered, but it, it is funny that, all right. And then I was telling you before we started recording, I remember scarcely little about the next search the Matt Nagy search. I didn't, I tell you, I don't know if it was because the Cubs had won the world series and I, you know, it's all I was going to focus on forever was that. Yeah. And for the next five years, I could give a shit about the bears. The Cubs won the world. Could series. be, could be, um,
1: I'm going to go off PTSD, but yeah, I'm, you know, cause I don't either. I just know, Nagy, it, it was it. And
0: yeah, so they went and they, the first person they interviewed was a, a future NFL head coach. They interviewed their own defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio. And they were pretty sure he was when they didn't hire him. They were pretty sure he was going to leave. And he didn't. He stuck around, coached with Nagy, which is the only reason Nagy had a good first season, because the defense drugged that team all you know to the playoffs. They really did, and then fucked it up by they couldn't stop Nick Foles twice. Well, when it counted, it, right? Yeah, and and Golden Tate who would always haunt the no. Bears, but yeah. Uh they also they went up to they went up to the to the Twin Cities and they interviewed both coordinators. They interviewed Vikings defensive coordinator George Edwards, who the Vikings um interviewed for hours before they settled on um the guy they're hiring, the Kevin O'Connell, the O'Connell, O'Connor, I, O'Connor, the guy from the Rams this this time.
1: Both and the me, electric
0: but... Pet Shermer.
1: Oh, Pet Shermer. <laughs>
0: They went on to be the head coach of the Giants for a week and a half.
1: I was good, right? Yeah, he
0: okay. Um, they also interviewed one of their future coaches at the time, Eagles quarterback coach John D. Filippo, who okay, everybody was pretty sure that was the guy they were going to hire. Like, goes was Coach Flip. He yeah. ended up going to the – when Shermer got the job with the Giants, Filippo got the offensive coordinator job in Minnesota, which everyone assumed was a head coach in waiting position for him. He was going to go there, run an offense, going to be great. He made it half the season. Mike Zimmer fired him and made Kevin Stefanski the offensive coordinator, and Stefanski is now the head coach of the Browns.
1: Good move by Zimmer.
0: And Filippo ended up being a consultant for a year, and then the Bears hired him, and he was the quarterback right. coach, and then he, he got fired with Nagy and the rest of the guys. Things haven't worked out for Flip. No. Then here's an interesting connection. They interviewed Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels on the record. I don't yes. remember that. McDaniels didn't take the Bears job because he took. They didn't get offered to him, but he took the Colts job. Oh yeah. And with that the Colts, was, he that was concurrent. He told Chris Ballard, "Hey." Here are the coaches I want, one of which is this guy I want to hire yeah. as a defensive coordinator. I want Talk Matt. about a
1: butterfly flapping its wings. I want Matt
0: Eberflus. And yeah. the Colts hired Eberflus. Yeah. And then McDaniels said, you know what? I'm not coming. Sorry. Because he's a weirdo, right? And the Colts were stuck with Matt Eberflus. And he, he ended up doing a great job for them. And to the to his where... credit,
1: Eberflus made the most out of a very uncertain situation. Yes. I would he think won over a, Frank,
0: Frank Reich, went away a, right away. Frank told him. You run the you run the defense. I'm going to worry about the offense. And that's a good sign. I'll
1: hang my hand on anything, even that.
0: But then they <laughs> set up an interview the day after a Chiefs Titans playoff game in Kansas City. Yep. The Chiefs shit all over themselves in the second half of a game, mostly because their offensive coordinator refused to call any runs. Yeah. They lost.
1: Who was their offensive coordinator anyway, Andy? uh,
0: It was a guy named Matt Nagy or Nagy or who gives a fuck.
1: We don't have his full name or middle name like Lee Arthur Smith or Randall Kirk Myers. Matthew
0: Xavier Aloysius Nagy, I'm sure. (laughs) And he so won over Ryan Pace that Ryan had him hop on the plane. He didn't make him go, didn't make him fly coach to O'Hare and have George pick him up. They hopped on the Bear Bear Force One and they (laughs) flew right back to And he was introduced as the head coach of the Bears, and everything worked out just great.
1: We all lived happily ever after, and all forgot about 1985. The future was just nothing but a bright white light of euphoria.
0: So it's funny. If you go back and look at all the coaching searches, you could pretty much every year, you're like, oh, it's too bad they didn't hire this guy. It's too bad they didn't hire that guy. Pace's coaching search, the second one, the one where they hired Nate, there's nobody.
1: A lot of them are. I, I feel like.
0: I mean, at that's least how, in the even, yeah, like the the both of his searches. I mean, he I didn't mean, he didn't interview Mike Shanahan, and Shanahan was in his sixties by then. That's you know?
1: that's no right, but but no, but you bring up a point about the but, transition to Kyle. Well, that, and you get the idea. Huge, okay, if the future. idea
0: is you need to hire the veteran coach, because you have the rookie general manager, right, right. shouldn't you hire Mike Shanahan instead of John Fox? <laughs>
1: Right, hire the guy who tried- wants
0: to coach your quarterback. The guy who is an offensive guru. The guy who actually won the Super Bowl. But of course, him. I
1: mean, all all of that comes back to the guys that are making the decisions, and we've and we've taken a dive on like like who they were and what was going on at the time. And you know, when you have such confusion from the top down, it's it's yeah, you, you're going to get these just these oddly discordant type of arrangements i mean we're talking like these times where jerry angelo does you know steps into the job and he's already got a head coach and then he can't get rid of him because they win and then you know jim finks is like getting like railroaded by this george burns character that's about to live to be 110 (laughs) and just like and even then like they did okay in spite of that, and I guess that's sort of uh, you know up to the vicissitudes of being a sports fan. I mean, we're, we're you know you're designed to fail, and some fran- as we've discussed, close to ten franchises uh, have done it more hilariously than the Bears. Although I want to add, if the Bengals win this Sunday, that needle moves the Bengals ahead of the Bears at least in the last fifty years, because right now the Bears are ahead of the Bengals. Both have two appearances, but the Bears at least have a Super Bowl. So Bengals, even if the Bengals lose, the Bears are still ahead of them. Even if the Bengals have been a more because they didn't win. But if they win, then they got to move that needle. So, but so yeah, you're, you're subject to the fates. But, man, it's really astonishing how just uh, prosaic some of these cases are.
0: I think, you know, because he'll do anything for an appearance fee, the Rams should pay Joe Montana to come out for the coin toss just to make Mike Brown pass out. It's like oh fuck it's Montana. we're in the Super Bowl and it's Montana again
1: right right because they lost the only two Super Bowls they lost were to Montana and the Bengals and by five points both times he the, he's, and, he's
0: he's been the MVP in both Bengals
1: yes and, Super Bowls. and and he like upped it one in the second one like he did he made some great throws in the first game I remember watching that first game and I think you did too I think we talked about it they. Um, I was kinda of rooting for the Bengals. I didn't like Montana. Even though it's went to Notre Dame, I don't remember from Notre Dame. I was Dame rooting for the Bengals because
0: I, I was a kid and I liked their uniforms.
1: Yeah, they I like Pete Johnson.
0: The, they just switched to the crazy stripe right. helmets and we the talked stripes about on the that. shoulders. And like, and I didn't even know that. They had a Ken Anderson, Anderson in jersey. Indiana. I was wearing I, it at home. I, hey,
1: I was a Pete Johnson guy. Like that time I, when they had a f first and goal and they couldn't punch it in and Danny Buns is you know, tack, tack, tackling that Alexander, I was really I was rooting for uh, the Bengals, but they came back in that game. because I rewatched it recently, because that's what I do—go down YouTube rabbit holes—and like, yeah, the, the Niners got off to a great start. Bengals fought back, made it a game, but then of course the you know the second five-point game was a real back and forth, and that was a heartbreak. Um, you know, so yeah, you're right. It's funny now they're finally not playing the Niners with Joe Montana, but yeah if they if they win, like I said they they move ahead. There are at least ten teams as bad as the bears are that the ten teams that have had it worse, even just for fifty years yeah
0: there's a there's a Joe Montana documentary on peacock. Which is actually really good. I didn't have real high hopes for it, and I think it's there's, four, five episodes, and it's does
1: it include his SNL skit? It's got it you, Does that was, even was, makes, without, without an, saying that it? He makes movie.
0: reference to the fact that he there's one particular line that gets repeated to him a lot. And that's, <laughs> I'm going to go to my masturbate. room. I'm going upstairs and masturbate. <laughs> He's really funny in it, because Joe could be a little.
1: He, he had a little bit of Ryan Sandberg in him. He was like an extraordinary athlete that really wasn't that interesting, but he, he's he been interesting enough. He, um, yeah.
0: So his and there's a lot of his wife in it. And yeah. Jennifer, who is... Right,
1: she was a swimsuit model for SI. Right, when there's the, a famous... The year they did the athletes' wives. Yeah,
0: there's a famous uh, Schick commercial that he did, that she's in, and that was when they met. And she's like, she's joking about the fact, you know, she was... Um, She looked almost exactly like Christy Brinkley. Almost exactly. Knockout. She's beautiful, and she's got to be, what, in her 60s? Other than the fact that she's got a weird haircut right now. She's (laughs) still a great-looking woman. Um, But she joked about how here was this. He'd won the Super Bowl the year before. Um, In fact, they joke about that um, he had gotten hurt in a playoff game against the Redskins, and the and the Niners didn't come back and win the game. And it was the only reason he – they filmed this commercial on Super Bowl Sunday, and the only reason Joe was in it was because he wasn't in the Super Bowl, and that's where he met his wife. And wow. at the end of the commercial shoot, she's like, he very clearly wanted to ask me out, but he was too nervous to do it. And she's like, I'm thinking, this is the guy who won the Super Bowl last right, year with the right, 49ers? Right, So she basically finished the sentence for him, and they went yeah. out. And
1: they ended right, up, right, 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 right.
0: Nice. You get a lot of uh, Huey Lewis – is in the documentary because I knew this as a kid, uh, Dwight Clark and Huey Lewis or Dwight Clark, Joe Montana. Um, I think Ronnie lot and somebody else are the chorus on the, uh, Huey Lewis and the news song hip to be square. What?
1: I'm I knew it because mention- it's
0: in the liner notes. I remember somehow I saw it as I'm just, a kid. I-
1: uh, when we resume the Cubs wheel and it does fall in our, one of our favorite years, 1984, I'm going to mention it now as a placeholder. I'll mention it. Of course, I'll definitely mention it when it happens An <clears throat> opening day, 1984, the Cubs opened the season, on the West coast, which hardly ever happens in candlestick park in 1984. And I stayed home from school um, to watch it and record it. And the star spangled banner was sung by Huey Lewis in the news. Cubs um,
0: Giants. Belichick has a funny line in that Cause he gets interviewed because the, Niners and the Giants met in the playoffs like three A times lot. I think they played uh,
1: the famous oh, Jim God. Burt
0: game where he almost killed Joe
1: and that was like in the, like, they met in 80 like 84 85 87 80. they met like it's uncanny how Well often and the they year met.
0: they were going to the Niners were going for their third straight Super Bowl championship
1: in 1990. Joe
0: broke his Joe broke his thumb Correct. in the game that- Yep. Steve Young came in and all they had to do was run the clock out and they were going to, they were going to go and Roger Craig fumbled and the That's Giants take right. field goal and won the game.
1: He pulled a blur. So anyway, Belichick
0: is yeah. talking about it and he's like, "Yeah, you go out, you go out to San Francisco and yeah, you have to listen to Huey Lewis and the news sing the <laughs> national anthem. And that puts everybody in a bad mood before the game even starts. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing, I put it in the newsletter because I thought it was interesting because now I can't help but notice it. We see the highlights all the time. When you see the hi- you're going to see it a million times, uh, in the run up to Sunday's game, you're gonna see the highlights of the drive against the Bengals. And everybody knows the famous hey, that's John Candy.
1: John Candy. Yeah.
0: Harris Barton tells it and tells why Joe did that because Harris was like hyperventilating. He was so nervous in the huddle Joe decided he needed to do something funny to calm Harris down. Wow. Um, Joe's uniform doesn't match everybody else's. His the stripes on the sleeve are too far apart and the font and Montana on the back is different, and the reason is his wife packed in his bag the jersey he wore when they won the Super Bowl against the Dolphins, and told him to wear it.
1: Uh, that would be Super Bowl nineteen, January of nineteen eighty
0: five. So he wore he wore that jersey. He actually won two Super Bowls in that jersey, but like, the Niners had changed the d- the design just enough that it's noticeable.
1: Three years apart. So wow. when you see that,
0: you're going to notice that um, Montana okay. is in sans serif. And everyone else on the team is has a serif font for their name. Well,
1: I appreciate that, and I'll probably dial that up because, like I said I, during this football season, I've gone down the, the YouTube rabbit hole. And the nineteen the, is, I guess, it would be known as Super Bowl twenty-four or twenty-three, the nineteen eighty-eight season in which Montana led them on a rally is one of the very few Super Bowls from that era that was actually a good game, as we've yeah. discussed, because yeah. the NFC was so goddamn good that they would win by four touchdowns. So that's one of the few. Uh and of course it was Montana that fished it out. Montana's other three well, he had to beat the Bengals twice and the other two were both blowouts. And almost every other Super Bowl in the eighties was a blowout. So Yeah,
0: yeah and he gets, it starts with his it starts back in Monagahala.
1: Pennsylvania. And now he
0: almost quit football because he thought he was a better basketball player than a football player. And then uh gets recruited to Notre Dame by Era and is eighth string. I
1: didn't and, know that he was recruited by Era, but he played for Dan Devine. And then right?
0: Dan Devine comes and didn't think much of Joe. <laughs> No shit. <laughs> and it took a bunch of injuries to get Joe Just, in the lineup. No and Dan shit. kept trying to not play him. It was kind of a Tom Brady, Lloyd Carr thing. Yeah. Uh, and then ended up winning the national championship with him.
1: He did it. Yeah, Cotton Bowl over Texas and Earl Campbell, I want to say. And then he was
0: a third-round draft pick. But it does sound like Bill Walsh kind of knew what he got. It was not a, hey, we'll draft this guy, and hopefully he'll turn out that Walsh was that Walsh no. had zeroed in on him. As that was the guy they wanted, and that was the round they thought they could get him
1: in. Right, like even even though on January January or whatever, December thirtieth, nineteen seventy seven, Bill Walsh was on the Stanford sideline um, as built as Burt Reynolds and, and Tom Brookshire – Pat oh, is that right? We're calling that game. yeah. So maybe was it was. It must have been the Bill knew
0: when he took the job. No, that, that was, was seventy.
1: The... No, no, that was seventy. No, you're okay. right. Yeah, I dogs. think, that's, that I think they
0: talk about it. About how that, that was
1: seventy-seven when Wallace was still at Stanford. Because... Seventy-eight. I know this. This is the year that my seventy-eight was the year that Montana led the comeback over Earl Campbell in Houston. I'm pretty sure it was the Cotton Bowl, and then Montana okay. was drafted, but not until the third round. And then I think Wallace's yeah, first year was right. eighty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so that would that would be another Brady Belichick parallel where they showed up at the same time yeah um of yeah. course then walsh was you know he was like he was fascinated by steve young coming out of college in the usfl and, he and wanted so the, bad team, yeah. and joe yeah. kept getting hurt um and so they he went did. and got young and build kept want kept trying to replace joe
1: young <laughs> Young had such a long career. And it was as funny because Bill said,
0: and people thought it was ridiculous at the time. Bill would tell people, "I have the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. Why wouldn't I go with the younger one?" And they're like, "Steve Young is not the best quarterback." And blah 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 blah. And of course, by the time they hand the reins over, t- he fills in for Joe when Joe gets hurt one year and wins the MVP. Is that right? With Joe still on the team. Steve Young is the MVP.
1: I didn't know that. What yep. year are you talking? Wow! I was, wow! So. Because Young himself didn't actually like sh- like get his due until he was able to really shake Montana off. And you well, know, then the
0: whole thing was because they lost to the cow. Their, and and Joe Walsh left. was gone. They lost the eight. cow. They lost the playoff game with when Joe was hurt. Then when Joe was gone, they lost to the Cowboys. And the whole idea was Steve couldn't win a Super Bowl. And yes, then he, that's he got right. to the Super Bowl, and then he uh, well, and Walsh was Seifert left. Walsh was- intentionally left him in to throw a six touchdown pass because Joe had the record of five. Got it. Oh, we, get all, this, we get all that
1: stuff. You mean in the Stan Humphrey Super Bowl? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 1990, January of 95. Okay. Yeah, because, of course, they, and you already know it because you mentioned Seaford, That was long after Walsh was gone because he retired after that fucking Super Bowl. After the Bengals 19, game, he cries in the locker room. Brent
0: yeah. asks him. No, Bob Costas asks. cuz NBC. Bob Costas asks him, is this the last game in the career of Bill Walsh? And Bill starts crying. Yeah. And oh. then he ends up going to Stanford and costing Notre Dame two national championships.
1: Right, right. Yeah, because Jerome Bettis chose to have his worst game as a collegiate in 92.
0: You know. So. All right. Well, that's it. That's uh, ended up. Uh, Good. About Bears coaches end up talking about Joe Montana for 10 minutes.
1: But... Right. Well, it seems to be the direction we go. I'm, I'm just happy to take off this Russ Grimm sweater because I'm dying.
0: You'll call George McClaskey and tell him. I can't wait to <laughs> work with him. It's going to be great. What a nice, what a nice lady old Vag is. He probably he probably called her that, and that's why he didn't get the job.
1: Right? Yeah, a little messed up, or he just spilled fondue cheese on her dress. Somehow. Yeah, it was
0: fun and maybe a little scary to go back and dig up all of the candidates.
1: I appreciated the stuff exercise. I did not
0: did not know. I didn't remember the Jeff Tedford thing. I didn't remember. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't know the George Allen thing until I read it. And it made I didn't perfect either. sense to me. I'm like, of course, hey, oh, George yeah, Allen. Yeah. I'm sure George, I'm sure George tried to get the job after every bear coach left. Yeah. He wanted to be, you know, I'm, and I honestly, I'm surprised he never was the bear coach.
1: Well, you know, that's the, but that's the origin story of George Allen was that he was, he thought he was primed to be Halas' yeah. successor. And honestly, he probably should have yeah, probably for should have. all of his faults. He was a great coach. And instead he was, he was forced off the pay. Cause Halas just like Hallis was obviously an incredibly exceptional and accomplished human being on so many levels. He had his flaws cause he was human, probably not the greatest parent or, you know, uh, you know, cause he didn't, you know, raise a son that like was even close to, him. he sucked up all the DNA and he was too proud to, uh, give some control to Alan. And, you know, I, it's, it's, uh, but it is funny that he comes wandering down the, the nursing home hallway to hire Ditka uh,
0: and it just happened to work out. Thank God it did. I mean, you can see why, given the stories we told about George and the thing, like, there's great NFL films about George Allen, you could see why Halas never hired him because Halas was going a, to run the team. George was going to be a complete pain in the ass. He was a conniver. He was
1: a conniver. He was a, he, he had angles, which yeah. is not bad. I mean, th- these are qualities that in certain. Uh, arenas make you successful and it made Allen successful. Well, I mean, but we yeah. told
0: the story about the the Blitz and the Wranglers trade everything for each other and the 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 Wranglers leave, like, yeah. stuff they just assume is going to be there in Chicago for them. Yeah. They leave no. the chalkboards and the chalk and the film machine all that stuff. They get to Chicago and George has packed all of it up and taken it to Arizona. He, he
1: left nothing. He took every chance.
0: stitch of everything. No.
1: And, then, and he was in his 60s then. He was still thinking that like that. So yeah, missed opportunity, obviously that's, that's how it goes. But uh, yeah, yeah. Almost a buddy Ryan vibe. Although Ryan was never a great coach. George Allen trying to be a really good head coach. I mean, he was a leader. He, you know, he was, he was successful, but yeah. So going as far back as the early sixties, George Dallas was making missteps and, but he lucked out on his last one about, you know, 18 months before he croaked.
0: But somewhere there's a parallel universe where the bears go from, Buddy Ryan to to Johnny Rowland <laughs> to Joe <Jill> Pendry <laughs> to Ralph Fregion oh my god to yeah to uh, uh I don't even know who they would have picked that year there were, I, it was all duds on that this search yep. uh Daryl Bevel
1: yeah uh,
0: to um Keep...
1: right Mike Singletary just... yeah missed, we missed out on to, that to
0: uh Matt Nagy. <laughs> yeah. They stole what I heard of no matter what. We couldn't have avoided that. We were stuck with him.
1: Well, just, just hoping that this current low point really is one, but, yeah, you know, I guess we'll see.
0: <laughs> There's always optimism. That's
1: e- why Matt we Eberflus, tune
0: in. The The H is for effort. The I yeah, is I know. for
1: Really? Effort. Yeah, com- coming in with the acronyms and the alphabetisms. Come on.
0: But, you know, the scary thing about that is... There's a reason coaches do that cuz they work. Like if you actually and his hits is actually when he's not trying to overexplain it, it does right. make sense. All it's it's hustle, intensity, take care of the ball. And I always forget what S is. <laughs> I can never remember what right. S is. Right. But be they sure said the Colts players actually, like, that's the thing. Even with him gone, okay. no, they yeah, still, they're simple. still going to talk about it.
1: Yeah. If you're trying to teach, trying to coach, try to keep it simple, you know, in bite sizes, make it deliverable. I mean, in reality, the
0: key, the key to the Eberflus hire is going to be not even him. It's going to be Luke Getzey. It's going to be the offensive coordinator. You're right. If that guy builds a coherent offense around fields, then Eberflus is going to have the defense taken care of. The Bears are going to be pretty good. Yeah. If if Getzey doesn't build a good offense, Eberflus isn't going to know how the fuck to build one on his own, and it's not going to work.
1: And then we get to have another episode uh, where we get to review the candidates. And so like, it's kind of a win. Remember
0: that the Bears, <laughs> right? Kind,
1: actually, kind of a win-win for us.
0: <laughs> they they do you know that they interviewed thirteen coaches and they ended up with
1: right. You know they went fifteen years without a general manager. <laughs> Unique qualities.
0: All right. Well, I think we're. Uh, I think we're back to baseball now. Even though baseball right, yeah. doesn't want to come back to us, I think we're going back to baseball.
1: I don't know what the crossover is. I think we do have some distinct uh, uh, listeners that are in one camp and not the other. But uh, yeah, for those of you that are in both, yeah, yeah. We'll have to
0: send up the signal that we'll be back to. Uh,
1: right. We might
0: not. We might not spin the wheel right away, but we, are, we will be back no. to finish up the. Uh, All of the seasons we still have left. With
1: yeah, we're about a third of the way through,
0: so maybe we can slog through. God help us. All right. Well, someday we can do. We think about we could do one of these with Cubs managers. That'll be even worse than this.
1: Right. That would be like some Andy Warhol like experimental six-hour film length.
0: So. All right.
1: Well, thanks, Mike.
0: Thanks, Andy. Many of us have herpes.